Welcome to Break a Wish, the podcast where all your dreams come true, but with terrible, ironic consequences. I'm your host, Maddox Campbell. Joining me today is Lindsay Mullen. Hello, I'm Lindsay Mullen. There you go, voice to name. And Gavin Williams. Hey, I'm Gavin. And the movie we're breaking down this time is What Women Want, the 2000 Mel Gibson film where he learns to hear inside women's heads. Uh, let's start. You were the one who pitched this one as the one we had to discuss, Lindsay. Oh, so yeah. what is your relationship with this film? Oh, really? <laughs> if it were a relationship, it would be a torrid love affair, a soulmate <laughs> that I was meant to meet in each life. Um, it's, it's a fantastic film that I've seen many times uh, from a young age. I probably saw it the year it came out. I probably would have been about 10. Uh, and I've seen it every couple of years since it came out. And I'm sure that it had a hand in forming the way I viewed men and women and dating, which is possibly why I am partnerless right now. <laughs> so so when you say fantastic film, <laughs> do you mean that seriously? Or do you mean that as in you just enjoy the ride of this? Because... I enjoy the ride. Do I stand by the messages of the film? Of course not. (laughs) (laughs) But can I just say this? I mean, we're going to spend some time shitting on it, I'm sure. But I have Mm -hmm. to say this. It hits the beats the way it's supposed to. Like, if you're looking for this film to be Citizen Kane, then of course you're going to be unhappy. But if you want... A simple premise that hits the beat clunkily, but <laughs> but but properly. This is the film for you. It, I guess it checks the <laughs> boxes of doing the bare minimum of a plot. Yeah, Absolutely. okay. <laughs> if, if I could describe what this film is, it is a film that was greenlit. That's what this <laughs> film was. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. It's so great though. So it's a fun ride. It's fun to watch, but if you are to take it in earnest, then you might need help or you're already in some sort of weird men's rights group and you need help. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Gavin? Okay. Had you well, seen this before? I am, no. And I'm not as excited about this as Lindsay is. I, uh, <laughs> I remember, I remember it coming out, you know, 20 years ago. And that is I remember correct. Yeah, and I saw the trailers for it, and it was on my list. Like, it was, oh, I'm going to watch this movie. And they came and went from cinemas, so I I didn't see it then. But, I mean, this was in the time of uh, DVD stores and blockbusters, so I remember it was on my list of things I might rent out one day. You know, it's like, if 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 the movie I don't want isn't there, I will rent out this movie. But it never happened, so I never got around to seeing it. There's always something else to see, and then, you know, of, of course... Blockbuster went away. Seeing this movie, I saw it last week, and it, this has been the worst week of my life because I have to sit with the memory of this movie in my head <laughs> until today, and then I can just after we talk about it, I'm going to kick it out of my head. I don't want to think about okay. this movie ever again. But uh, uh, yeah, it's so been a week long stressor on your psyche, yeah, and I blame you for that, Gavin. Gavin. I, we all took a part. We all, we, you agreed to be here. <gasps> Lindsay oh. recommended oh. you. Like there's a, there's a stack of mistakes we all made that had to put this on you. 
This uh, we need to evaluate that versus. This is but if an alien came from another planet and they said, "I would like to see how men and women of the species interact." <laughs> <laughs> maybe if we didn't have a copy of When Harry Met Sally, we could put this on. And we could say, this is how people acted in the mid to late 90s, early 2000s. It's not appropriate for all of humankind in every timeline. But wow, is this a picture of 90s fashion, 90s men, women, uh, pop culture dynamics? Oh boy! I feel like that's a lot of caveats to expect an alien to put up with. <laughs> Like, I think that you're expecting the alien to understand a lot more than you need to. Okay, I'll try to do a, a very brief synopsis of what the basic beats of this film are so that anyone who somehow didn't watch this and is still watch, listening to this podcast can try to follow along. Uh, Mel Gibson's character, named Nick, is a misogynist uh, <laughs> and also uh, a ad guy who does campaigns that are all about tits and ass. They point that out specifically. But at some point, he gets the magical power through electrocution to read women's or technically female anything's mind because there's that one poodle that, whose mind he reads. Yeah, there's a dog. <laughs> and also, just so we're clear, it's also possible he just died, right? Like in that, in the first 30 minutes, he got electrocuted. They found his dead body. And this is the fever dream that he had in the last seconds as his life was ebbing out of him. No, Gavin. Huh. <laughs> You're wrong. Is that? I think that's double tragic because that would mean any so-called lessons or betterment he got through this, he only experienced for a flickering moment before dying. Yes, exactly. I don't think that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Maddox, please continue. He's okay. A, he's an ad man. He's an ad man. He got electrocuted. Can now hear women's thoughts stresses out about it for a bit, but eventually decides to use it to his advantage, spends a lot of time using it to his advantage, mm -hmm. but through one of the people who the competitive advertiser who he's stealing all of her ideas learns to respect this specific one woman, the only one he's not taking a million times advantage of only the one time advantage of falls for her mm -hmm. and romantic comedy resolves as it does and when he loses the power he still wants to be with her whoa holy spoiler alert <laughs> I, I skipped a lot because i feel like the rest is just like vignettes of things he does along the way to getting to that uh, but i think uh, let's not forget i mean the the uh, major plot point is that he does save a suicidal woman's life which can i just say oh, they had her inner thoughts her uh, suicidal ideation was the most PG suicidal ideation I have ever heard. She's busy <laughs> focusing on how she's the dork with the glasses mm -hmm. um, at work that nobody sees. I'm going to be honest with you. I have had suicidal thoughts and they are way more dark than that. That was the most, that actually annoyed me almost more than the Gibson <laughs> film. <laughs> Although, well, Gibson, look, they were very PG of suicidal thoughts, but they were also very clearly suicidal thoughts. And I counted them because I felt like this might be a problem. It took five instances of him overhearing someone's private, clearly suicidal thoughts to intervene in any way, shape or form. And let's also remember that he, 
he thought that those thoughts were funny because he said she's pretty funny. We should make her a copywriter multiple times to these suicidal thoughts. And I I went back because I was like, were they funny? I don't know if they were funny. And they weren't. They were pretty like the one the first time he said that she said, I'm going to throw myself through a plate glass window and I hope the glass doesn't hit anyone. And he said, oh, that she's pretty funny. Yeah. What, did she say that? Maybe th- I, there were. She wasn't making jokes. Wow, that that is a pretty intense suicide. She was just saying depressive things. Wow. Um. Well. Okay. Can we talk also about a couple of things I noticed in this film that are really magical about the film? Because I I feel we're getting you're going to so be the negative on this film. <laughs> you're going to be the point of positive perspective. I'm feeling so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? Let's get that out. Go in, ahead. Let's... In true Nancy Myers fashion um uh she's made so many wonderful rom-coms this film features so many black turtlenecks like (laughs) oh my god it it became a little bit insane at one point he wears only dark dark colors shirts Mm -hmm. many of which turtlenecks um and then much like any other nancy myers film uh the female protagonist protagonist is dressed in beautiful cream colored um tops so helen uh hunt who by the way this was such an interesting film choice for her and she might have actually uh destroyed her career with this film because she only had a two year window of relevance in pop culture where she just had smash hit after smash hit um and this was one of them she had like twister she was on mad about you um, what's that other one? Was she in uh, uh, Something's Gotta Give with Jack Nicholson? Oh, as good as it gets. You you clearly already know more about her career than I do. So Well, Helen I can't... only had like two years where she was everywhere and then she disappeared. And it was after this film that she disappeared. So was so, that the uh, magic of this movie? It destroyed Helen Hunt's career? I think what I'm trying to say is that once you hit perfection, sometimes it's good uh, to throw in the towel. <laughs> there are some other people who did make their careers out of this film or i don't know if they made their careers but early er, this is an early film for some people who have bigger roles later so the, the suicidal copy girl is judy greer mm-hmm. who uh cheryl from archer uh she was a reoccurring character on um, arrested development is a pretty she, big comedic actor now yeah and she's in she's essentially in every rom-com the best friend of the main character this so is this the might, only sad one she did. This might be like the start of her doing uh, the rom-com circuit then, right? She might have been mm-hmm. launched by this. Yeah. And a slightly deeper cut, but the actress who plays his daughter is a pretty big voice actor. Yes. She's uh, on Critical Role, which is a D&D podcast that basically all the D&D podcast fans are fans of. And she was Ellie in the video game Last of Us, which was like a video game that came out with a sequel this year that was hugely anticipated. And it's one of the big pieces in video games. So she, she made a I have career no idea what you're talking about. What I mean, if you're not into gaming and, and voice actors, <laughs> maybe you don't know her, but these are big roles in those niches. What about Sarah Paulson? Sarah Paulson's in this movie. She has a huge career right now. She's the, that sounds familiar, but uh, she's which the character? She's the boyfriend from, from Israel. Israel. Yeah, and she's she's currently on Netflix with that very popular show, Ratchet or whatever, where she played the, the new... She's the lead. Oh, which plays the yeah. uh, the nurse from One Flew Over the Cuckoo Nest got her own show. Right. Yeah. It's, it's nurse nurse ratchet. That's what that is, right? Yes. 
Sarah yeah. and Sarah Paulson's in uh yeah, she's in she's in tons of stuff. She's amazing. Yes. Ruined Helen Hunt, but not all these other people. Yeah. We also got to see um Bette Midler. Bette yeah. Midler, that was good, yeah. Yeah. I think she already had a career by now. I don't think this was a, a, a maker for her. No, I'm no, guessing. Really, she had a huge career. <laughs> guys, let's, let's, let's really cut to the center of this. What is the problem you guys truly have with this film? I wanna let's get into the real meat and potatoes of the idea, the concept of this, the idea of hearing women's thoughts and that these are the thoughts that they chose to put in the script and uh, what the movie says. Yeah, okay, so I'll describe it in a succinct way that I was very surprised to learn that it had a female director and a female writer because Mm -hmm. watching this film, I felt this is exactly what a man would write as women's thoughts. But they did not feel insightful or from a female perspective <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the very first thoughts that he's exposed to when he goes uh outside it was what it was like uh it was thinking about other is thinking about men it was thinking about estrogen it was thinking about calories and about if some if she's a lesbian because she kissed another woman it's all very woman focused thoughts from women and also right. almost everyone's thoughts being about the protagonist they're either immediately all being very thirsty into him right. or talking about how much of an asshole he is while smiling and saying nice things to him. Those are the only thoughts any women have near him are about him. It's right. so egocentric that it's you know shocking. What, you know what I found more uh, shocking about this film is that like, I, at one point I was like, oh, wow, this is uh such a, a weird problem to have that he's hearing women's thoughts but then I thought what's even sadder and more upsetting is this is a man that is hearing everybody hate him it wasn't even so much that he hears women's thoughts and it's too much chatter in his brain it's that everyone he's ever met is two-faced and uh that was that was very uh I empathized with the. Uh, <laughs> but everyone, you're, you're hard. I mean, thought about Marissa Tomei. She was oh, like yeah. super into him. Like, like in the cafe, in the cafe, she was like, um, she was ready for him. And so it didn't seem like he had to work that hard to win her over, even though he had this magical power. It, oh, I mean, in the opening scene, scene, she. Yeah, I think this is an him? important one to talk okay, about. This scene's crazy because they're. This is what the I think they very they were very clunky with this with the performance. Mel Gibson was a bit clunky in this scene. They're trying to establish him as a character that's like a womanizer that women just like you know are fainting as soon as they see him because he's such such a smooth smooth talker. And instead, he goes up to her and she's the barista and Marissa Tomei. Um, it just becomes like one of these weird scenes where he keeps hitting on her and won't leave her alone and she looks visibly distressed. And she tells him to go away. She says no. He's like, should I keep going? Should I stop? And she's like, go away. But he then he <laughs> yeah. then he touches her hand. Right. And again, so this is this is the part of the film that is grossly irresponsible because mm. she is saying, No, I'm not interested. Please stop asking me out. But her mind is saying, I shouldn't have said that. This is such a cute guy. He should keep hitting on me. Then I will fall for him. But isn't this also the first scene before he has the listening powers where he just keeps forcing himself? 
I think that yeah. might be before he can hear her thought. Oh, He's yeah. And no, then so pushy. No, I specifically that... remember him hearing her thoughts in this scene. He hears her say, why did I do that? I wish I he keep would keep asking me out. So this is before he's come to terms with it, but he has the power already. In the first scene where she's just he's just buying his uh, coffee. Yeah. That remember she he puts her his hand on her hand and then she agrees to go on a date with him, which they never really come back to. And then the guy behind him says, "How did you do that, man?" Like he's because you know he's showing yeah. how the movie is showing how great he is with women, which is also another weird part of this movie is that he is successful with women. Like he's slept with a lot of women. There's women over every night. He's successful in his career. Like he is a successful man. And then on top of that, he gets this other gift as well. I did also ask this, and this is something maybe one or both you can answer for me. Cause I can't seem to get wrapped my head around is milk. Gibson hot, like actually, like deserving of the, the thirst he gets shall in this I, film. Shall I field this one? Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. If we're talking about classical standards of attractiveness, and I mean the most base standard, symmetry, um, you know, a, a strong jawline, then yes, he is classically movie star handsome. And um, early in his career, he had these breakout films like Gallipoli, and then he made the the, the more action uh, films. And he just does have a very masculine, attractive look. Who, you know, I mean, even though he's not my type in the real world, I think it's fair to say he is an attractive man, especially to, to in the that degree. Era. It- at which people react to him in this. Cause that's, it just seems exaggerated in this. It seems like they're not acting like he's a 44, which I checked his age, 44 year old man. Who's, I mean, yeah, like fine looking, but they're acting like he's a model star to a degree at which I don't feel he is in this anymore. But wait, why is a uh, 44 a shot against him in man years? That's when you guys are really hitting your stride. Maybe I just don't internalize that. Maybe I still feel like I want my... Yeah, you're right. Harry Grant, he's like making rom-coms with with Grace Kelly and he's like 50 and orange. Like, it's like, it doesn't matter. (laughs) You guys, you guys get older and older and then you guys, you know, even in Nancy Meyer's other films, it's like Alec Baldwin across from Meryl Streep and um, uh, Jack Nicholson is, you know, yeah, you guys, uh, you guys get more salty and peppery and uh, weathered by time, and we just want you more. At least, at least it in uh, romantic comedies, that's definitely the truth. You are right. Hey, you know what's nice about this? We just discovered what Lindsay wants. <laughs> <laughs> we did hey, hey, guys! Magic. Not one of us <laughs> got electrocuted. <laughs> can, can I ask you a question about the, uh, the 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 rules of the magic here? Which is sure. So uh, he can read women's minds. Can he only understand their internal monologue, or does he have access to anything else? Like, can he see flashes of imagery, like their memories, or can he feel their feelings, or is it just the words that they are saying in their running internal monologue? As presented, it's only hearing their active monologue, and only when they're actively thinking, because there are a, a number of points in the film where he's basically leaning in on someone being like, say something. And they're not 
thinking? They somehow zend the out. Insulting part. That was the most <laughs> insulting part to think that some woman there, like he stops listening to a woman and there's just radio silence in her brain. <laughs> that was the most insulting part of the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's well, pretty bad. <laughs> I, I I was wondering because I don't like, and this is me. I don't know if I think in a, a monologue in the way that people in the movie think of a monologue. I talk in that way. But my my thoughts are a bit more like visual and sort of just bits all plugged into each other. It's very rare that I I, I just I like I don't look at a woman and go mm mm look at her she has got a tight butt or whatever you know they were thinking in the movie. I, I don't think those words. I I just kind of feel those words. Yeah, <laughs> Gavin just says those words. <laughs> <laughs> I just say those out loud. You know, I just whisper them. Out loud. <laughs> your eyes get big, your jaw drops, and you say Aruga. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, you've seen me on the street. I've, yeah. I've seen you on the street. Yeah, that's how you yeah, Every time I see you, I go Aruga, Aruga, here's Maddox. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. you it's very flattering. Do you think maybe the reason I have a fondness for this movie even though I'm aware that it's problematic, even though I know it lacks nuance. Do you think the charm of a movie like this is the um, black and white nature of it, where it's just really simple rules of how the world works and there's no, there is no nuance? Do you think that there is something charming about this type of rom-com that I don't think gets made anymore? It's something nostalgic of the 90s, of the early 2000s. Like now we, as an audience, I think are smarter and we expect our rom-coms to have like shades of gray and make us grow and think. And this is something where you can just shut your brain off <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's literally baby food <laughs> as far as rom-coms are concerned. Isn't there something I, I, special about that? See, I think I get worried about it because it's reinforcing the stereotypes that I've been fed and then also been told are wrong, but I can't personally conf like confirm their wrongness. I've just been always been told like, that's not how women actually think that's just how they're told. So I look at this film and go, you're lying to me. You're it's a sneaky lie. You're lying to me. You're trying to tell me that all that stuff I've been told is true when I know it's a lie. Oh, you're coming from this perspective of knowing it's wrong. Oh, yes i'm coming from the perspective of going like it's like watching a b movie it's like i know this is garbage i know that this is the fast food of screenwriting um you know what i mean i <laughs> i don't come at it going you know this is eternal sunshine of the spotless mind <laughs> you know what i mean i see this as for what it is i would be terrified if i found out that there were you know, young people that watch the film and just went, no, this is absolutely what is in store for all of us. This is how it should be. It, yeah, well, you know, this is what's going on on the other side. This might be, uh, I mean, the question is, is this movie like uh, telling us that or is it like a reflection of the time? Because if it's a reflection, then I, I guess I was like, you know, 20 back then. So this is now reflecting what I grew up with and the world that I was sort of raised in. And it's kind of telling me all the programming that I had as a, as a young man, uh, you know, Oh, this is uh, this is the base level uh, uh, code that's in my head is this is what uh, the world thinks women think and what the role men have to be in order to um, 
to understand women. And I think it's important yeah. to remember that the number one fans of this movie, I'm guessing, are probably women. Like, like we're, you know, making fun of how it's anti-woman in a way. But the people that like this movie are often women. And they, I imagine, take great pleasure in the scenes where he, like, waxes his leg and it hurts more than he thought. And, like, you know the scene where he talks to his daughter at the prom. There's a lot of daddy issues in this movie. Like it taps into <laughs> a lot of like, like it, there are some female fantasies that are not even romance related. Like, like when he says to his teen daughter in front of her teen friends that he's going to order them a pizza and it cuts to the teen daughters and their inner thought is, Oh, I wish my dad was like that. And I'm like, this is, very sad and tapping into something very real. <laughs> there is an ongoing theme in this that is the main character's fragility in wanting everyone to like him. Like he's using this, this power, this power that he could use in a million ways. He could use it to, to rip people off of money. He could use it to get a million types of advantage, but his main interest seems to be in getting people to like him. Like he's trying to convince his daughter, his daughter's friends, his work boss, uh, even in the sex scene where arguably he used his his powers for evil to seduce someone. His then goal seems to be to impress her with sex, not just to have sex with her. Oh, so how is he so bad at sex if he's had so much sex? But it's because they're all faking it with him. All the women in the movie pretend like he's awesome and his ego has been inflated by that. Like everyone from his assistant oh, uh, to his sexual conquest. Lynn, can right? I ask you a question? As somebody who's uh, <laughs> likely had sex with men before, if Many they weren't very, if they were to, um, as in the movie, uh, I, I believe he squeezed someone uh, Mar- Marissa Tomei's breast too much, and she said her thought was they're they're not bolted on or something like that, or they're not they're yeah they're attached. If somebody did that to you, would Squeeze you my breast s- out of nowhere? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, during sex, like, would you say something? Would you correct that behavior if he, like, stuck his tongue down your throat? Like, would you say something? Hmm. Like, okay, wait, I'm, are you, so are you asking that if I was having sex with a guy and he, not that it was an unwanted advance, I just thought it wasn't good sex? Yes, it exactly. it's Mel Gibson. It's literally Mel Gibson. It's, uh, okay, wow, that's a different Mel Gibson has come <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mel Gibson is in town. He's here for Tiff. <laughs> he saw you in a show. He saw you in an info show. He's like, "Hey, you're great. You want to come back?" And then you were like, "Okay, you know what? Why not? Well, let's give oh, this a try." And then, God. And, but he's just he's 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 got his tongue down your throat. Do you do you crack this, or are you like, "Hey, I'll just go along with it"? There's so much. You know what? I would I would say I would stop knowing me. I would stop Mel. And I'd say, that doesn't work for me. Can we talk about your life choices? Where, where, <laughs> at what point do you think it all turned for you? Was there, was, there, was, there, was there a DUI, perhaps, that didn't go the way you thought it might? Um, can we talk about what makes you feel the need to do this? Why do we never hear your Australian accent in movies? I would really dig deep with him as a person. But that's because I'm an empath, guys. I'm an empath. Um, I don't really understand your question, Gavin. I would... <laughs> well, okay, Gavin, me... 
Gavin, let me do this. I, I can't mm-hmm. answer for Lindsay, obviously, but from the perspective of would a woman ever micromanage a man during sex if they think they're doing something wrong? I can't answer to the affirmative that that has happened. Uh, yes, I do get instructions sometimes. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, I, you know what? I'm going to say this too. <laughs> as as a man, I have been informed uh, what I could do better in the moment, and I appreciate it a lot, uh, of course. But uh, I, I'm I'm feeling like this might be a universal experience. Uh, women don't seem to have a problem saying, "Hey, this ain't working for me." Man, or you this have is that good. elaborate description. Mel <laughs> <laughs> Gibson assaulting me. I didn't say he assaulted me. <laughs> it was say completely consensual. He was into it. You were into it in this <laughs> fantasy. Hey, you all had a good time until you suddenly brought up his DUI. And that kind of changed the mood. And he, yeah, you didn't stop. Really. It kept going. But now he just had a, his, his forehead just furrowed even more than it was normally. Oh yeah, it's a very. Can we talk about that forehead? His forehead <laughs> has um, some very intense wrinkles in there. So um, that was all there really was to say. About he that. seems like yeah. Well, he seems like he might be an angry man. He might have some anger issues going back to that DUI. Uh, and we we must mention with the DUI there was a uh, anti-Semitic tirade. Is how the word is always used after that. That yeah. also needs to be mentioned, which. Colored my viewing of this film that has a lot of Jewish references. Did it? Oh yeah. So it's her friend for her boyfriend in Israel right. who gave him a yarmulke. Right. The first thing he hears his psychiatrist say is "oy vey." Uh, there's at least another coworker who calls him uh, some. I think a Yiddish term like a smuts or putz or something. Mm-hmm. I missed the actual phrase, but yeah. All those stood out to me more than they would have if I didn't know that it was yeah, Mel Gibson. All that did for me is whenever someone said something in Yiddish or something happened, I just honed in on his micro expressions to see <laughs> if he was like, you know, really upset. And then I remembered that's insane. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's really messed up that that happened. And you're right; it does change his filmography and how we view it. And I uh-huh. thought it was a bit tasteless when they put the DUI videotape as the bonus features on the DVD for What Women mm. Want. I thought that was a weird move. I, where did you get your copy of the DVD? <laughs> I feel like you may have gotten it from a different source than me. Listen, that was, that was a pretty sassy joke. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to pat yourself on the back for a while? Okay. <laughs> so I'll, I'll hold back. I'll let you guys carry this. <laughs> hey guys, I have a uh, I have an alternate theory for this movie. Uh, I just want to pass it by you and, and let me know if I'm way off base because uh, you know I just I was really thinking about the magic of this movie and about why did he get this power? And you could say oh, it was because he thought to himself what do women want and he you know had this thing. But when did he lose his power? He lost his power right before he went to save the uh, uh, suicidal girl's life. So here's my theory. I think that the movie is actually about the suicidal girl. It's about how her life was saved by Mel Gibson. And the reason why he loses his power right there and then is because he is about to complete the task that the universe has set out for him. And once he's completed that task, he no longer needs his power. And that's why he goes into Chinatown and meets mystical Chinese old lady. Can we talk about that, please? 
Like that. <laughs> we can talk about it. But, I, but, 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 but I just want to say, this is, I think that this movie followed the wrong protagonist. We were actually supposed to be uh, following Suicidal Girl because this was her story. I think this could go into the uh, long spree of movies that have another movie tangentially related to them that doesn't exist that would probably be more interesting. I feel like half the time we do these movie reviews, I end up pitching another movie that would be better, which would be, yeah, the her story. And maybe Mel Gibson's not the only person that the universe tries to send her ways. And all these people who, uh, because the universe is obtuse, Mr. Magoo their way away from saving her because if the universe is trying to save her with Mel Gibson, they were not being very accurate. Because again, it took him five times of being <laughs> clear suicidal thoughts. And all that it would have taken would be like a little bit of a handout, a little bit of a reach. She needed so little attention. To be and- fair, but he was going through a very severe mental episode where he thought he could hear people <laughs> talk. I mean, like, if you were having such a break from reality i mean but yes you're right he, fair enough he also nicer. but also his way of saving her life at the end is to give her the promotion and uh then he gets fired before giving her the promotion which brings us back to square one so she thinks she's getting a promotion she goes to work on monday morning finds out mel gibson's been fired and he didn't mention anything about her promotion that is going to push her over oh the edge oh my god you're right you're right Basically, we just found out that she's dead. That's what we yeah. just found out. Wow. Wow. I didn't even think of that. Okay, before we move on, I have to bring up this this insane trope that we, um, we've seen in multiple movies in the past, including Freaky Friday, which your amazing podcast did an episode on that you I did. listened to. This trope of... This insane racist trope about having um, uh, like a, a, a moment, a plot point that is a, a, a mystical transformation, taking it into a fantasy, the story, but using um, uh, some stereotype of, of being Asian and somehow that is equated to being... Um, what word am I looking for? Like mystical or having Yeah, powers. mystical. By by virtue of exotic because it's vaguely foreign or something like that. Yeah, and I'm kind of shocked how many films use this as a trope. It's the laziest thing I've ever seen. It's so racist and so lazy. It came Uh, out of nowhere in this movie. Yeah, they didn't even establish it. They didn't even like Freaky Friday. Obviously, they do that in that movie, the 2003 Freaky Friday, as well. You know, I don't think it's good that they did that, but they committed to it in the story. In this, they just, they just, it just appears at the end. Because the source of the, the wish is not ch- Chinese magic. I'm saying that with quotation marks you can't hear. Um, the the source is electrocution. Yeah, and yeah. and it, he and it in just goes. Yeah, he falls in a bathtub, but it goes away when he enters Chinatown for some reason through a spark show. And there's, yeah, there's no reason to think those are two related events in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> well, he just walks past her, and then he turns around, and then they make eye contact, and she gives him this all-knowing look. Like, <laughs> I know everything. I am a character that doesn't get to speak, apparently, and I know everything. He also can't hear her thoughts, and 
<laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> she's she's a woman. She should be having thoughts. I don't know if maybe her thoughts would be in Chinese. Um, okay. Well, you know what? <laughs> you can make them. That's a, these are all rationalizations <laughs> of not letting the lady have a line in the booth. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> they, they gave her less pay for that. She didn't get up the pay grade because she didn't have any lines. SOC, and they were like, okay, <laughs> let's have her lead him into a, an alleyway, and he follows her, and uh, then there's a slow-mo electrocution thing, and his powers go away. I, I just can't believe that this was a trope that was used as often as it was in mainstream media. Yeah, it, it really was just a go-to of we can hand wave our our way around explaining something that we don't either know how to or feel like explaining by saying, hey, we don't know much about this type of part of the world because we don't care to. So there's magic there, I guess, uh, is how the the mainstream culture dealt with it and yeah it gets used a lot of stuff and a lot of it probably still pretty recent yeah also did that in a much worse film we did a review of wish upon had a chinese wish pot and again they didn't really use it specifically they just use it as like the origin of they guess they have magic there it's not good. Honestly, it, guys, I'm losing the leg to stand on saying that this is a fun film. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really, I'm losing it. But, um, okay, what did you guys like about the film? Yes, sexism, bad. Yes, racism, very bad. What did you guys enjoy? The turtlenecks? Anything? Um, huh. Okay. Enjoy. It's, Strong word. Um... Uh... Hmm. Um, what about the father's uh, well, I, daughter connection? That was that was heartfelt. She she seemed like a strong independent. I like the daughter as a character. I guess that she was not putting up with his shit, and she didn't really seem to. Um, she didn't seem to want to repair with him because she knew he was such a worthless person that it didn't seem like she was pining for something that she wasn't being given. She just took advantage of him and took his stuff because he deserved it. And I, I liked that strong independence about her. It may I think be, that's probably the best I can come up with. I, I I had forgotten about Marissa Tomei. And then when I saw her, I was like, oh, yeah, I love her. <laughs> So yeah, maybe that's there's some very there's some very good supporting cast actors in here. They don't get a lot of time and they don't get a lot to do, but we do like them and we're happy they got a paycheck out of it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, some people yeah. got paid. That's nice. Alan Alda was was great. Alan Alda was good, but also I feel like um he like there wasn't a whole lot of like effort there. He was just like, "Hey, there's Alan Alda and he's kind of being not a very good boss. Like, I, I, let's just mention this real quick. They just scored a massive deal. Helen Hunt's team had just got, uh, what was it, $500 million contract. The next morning, he fires Helen Hunt, the leader of the team that just scored this amazing Nike contract. I don't know, Alan Order. I'm, I'm not sure that's a good business decision. Oh, by the I way. I agree. I, I think it was also the film had, okay, if we're looking for a little bit of interesting commentary... I think the film uh, did a good job in kind of portraying 
um, a, a common problem in the office for women, the idea of like you tell a joke or share an idea and then no one listens to it and then a man rephrases it and then everybody likes it or laughs at the joke. And there was that kind of uh, same idea being presented with Mel Gibson hearing Helen Hunt's thoughts and then stealing ideas quite literally out of her head. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. It's it's good they brought it up, but remember our protagonist did that and did not really get punished for that behavior. Didn't she kind of? Didn't she kind of dump him at the end? Well, he had he had. A- then she rushed after him and basically repeated the Mr. Tomei thing of like, "Hey, you're not going to just leave it at that." Just because well, hey, I there you go. That's the nuance you've been wanting this whole time—a realistic ending, which is that's yeah. It, oh, if it had ended with him marching out of there and she fired him, he got her job back. She fired him, and he learned a lesson. That's a movie where something happened. That's people had growth. I would have preferred that ending. Really? When when she has him come back, that made me mad. You know what? I was amazed. They wrapped it up very quickly. As soon they as did. they kissed on the stairs of her new house, um, the, you know when the credits roll really fast, like when you're watching TBS and then suddenly the words go by like triple speed fast? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and you get the vibe like everyone involved was embarrassed and they sped up the tape. Uh, that's kind of what happened with this one. Like they They really did not sit or languish in the the romance that we've supposedly been waiting for this whole movie they just and isn't uh, the movie two hours long it was like it's this it hour. felt like it it lasted forever and what? the first hour is, is is pretty like cheeky and and like 90s fun but the second hour just goes on and on gavin i felt like we breezed through it and i felt like i only got 15 minutes with some great friends and, There's uh, about 30 minutes of montage of like him <laughs> leaning into women, pulling out his uh, like his glasses and, and leaning in slightly too close. And there's about 15 minutes of that, of just that one montage. Yeah, I think we could have we could have edited this down to a 90 minute film. I think I could have gotten in the editing room and done a couple chops here and there. Uh, you know what? Right. I've been mean to this film the whole time. So. Lindsay, there's clearly something in this film you like. I think we have to wrap this up now. But Not what what do you like in this? Sincerely, since no sarcasm. What is sincerely a moment in this that you just sincerely love? Because I couldn't find one. Gavin seemed to struggle as well. <laughs> a a single moment that you love. just sincerely yeah. love. Okay, because you you can tell that my love for this film is mostly in jest. Um, yes. Okay. Which is a fine way to enjoy something, but I do want to know, is there something in it that is sincere, is true and deep? Okay, there's two things that I'll be sincere about. One, a lot of the acting on Helen Hunt's part was surprisingly sincere. Like for a rom-com that's so big and over the top for most of it, especially comedically, there'd be moments where she's thinking or talking or, or sharing something. And she really committed to the role. Um, it was almost as if she thought she was in a different movie. <laughs> so <laughs> she like, might, she might have. They might have lied to her about the script. <laughs> like she was committed to it as if, as if she saw this leading somewhere. Um, and so I like that. And the other thing is, and you know what? This is tapping into my own issues as uh, from my uh, younger years. I did like the scene 
where he's at the prom and he sits in the bathroom stall next to his daughter and he tries to cheer her up. I genuinely, I genuinely liked that scene. And maybe that's just because I haven't seen a lot of mainstream movies explore the relationship between a dad trying to be a good dad to a daughter, even if he's clumsy about it. I I kind of liked that scene. Uh, it's one, you know what? That's one of the scenes that comes closest to me liking it. So I'm going to agree with you. Okay. It's getting, cl- it's close for me. <laughs> oh, wow. And also they had the best prom venue oh, wow. in the whole oh, of Chicago. Really Basically did. a palace. Rich proms. I, my prom was in my cafetorium, the same place we had cafeteria, auditorium, and sometimes gym. That, sh- uh, what? that shouldn't be the same room for all those things. Shouldn't was. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's all the time we have for what women want. Uh, maybe we'll eventually look into, they made a new one called What Men Want. Maybe that one's better. I don't know. Maybe someday we'll look into that one and I'll call you two back. <laughs> but thank you oh. so much for joining <laughs> me for this. Uh, thank you, Lindsay. Thank you, Gavin. Thank you. And thank you, everyone who listened. Uh, and we'll have another movie for you in the next episode. Bye. 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 Well, that's what we came up with. But we want to hear from you. Tell us your thoughts. You can find us on Twitter at BreakAWishPod, email BreakAWishPod at gmail.com, join the BreakAWish discussion group on Facebook, and you can support the show by writing a review, telling a friend, or buying a t-shirt on TeePublic. All this information at BreakAWish.ca. For more Lindsay Mullen, you can follow her on Instagram at LinzoMullo, or check out her real-life storytelling podcast, Truths Be Told, on the Sonar Network. For more Gavin Williams, you can find him on Twitter at Gavin Williams. And he has a reoccurring role on Kim's Convenience. This is a Kicks and Giggles Entertainment production, hosted by Maddox Campbell, themed by Matthew Reed, cover art by Justin Langford, and a proud member of the Sonar Podcast Network. More podcasts at thesonarnetwork.com. So, what would you wish for? has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar! Once upon a time, there were dragons, fairies, wishes, and farmers. These aren't your happy endings for your overachievers, or your precious babes with bright futures. This is Fairy Tales for Unwanted Children, an excellent, unsettling podcast, says Tampa Dad 66 as calming as it is eerie, Becca James of avclub.com. Wow, that was pretty good. You, about 15 minutes from now. Fairy tales for unwanted children. Unwantedchildren.ca